Very good. And good morning. Good morning from the pulpit now. It's great to see everyone. It's great to see everyone back and uh, it's great to be together. This morning I was tasked with preaching on encouragement in times of life that are good. In times of life that are good. And it's fascinating when I started to uh, research times, encouragement in times that are good, nothing came up. Nothing. In fact, everything that is done on encouragement is about encouragement in times that are hard. So let's start off first with a prayer. Let's pray for the time and we'll get into the message. Thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to look into encouragement for when times are good. We pray that you bless this time so it may touch our hearts. We pray that this time may be a blessing for us if we're in a good time or something for us if we're in a hard time that we can remember and cherish and look forward to the next good time. Amen. So as I said, there's nothing written on encouragement in times that are good. And so what that means for you guys is you get a really short sermon Which is nice, isn't it? (laughs) But things that came up, I was looking for, I was trying to find something, some sort of scholar or author or some famous celebrity that wrote something on a time that's good. But these are the things that came up that's closest to good times and encouragement. It struck her how eating was a comfort during a hard time because it reminded you that there had been other days, good days when you'd eaten, The same thing reminded you there were good days in life when precious little else did. Another person wrote, good times are a reminder and a reward for dealing with the difficult and challenging times we all go through. The trick is to celebrate the good times in advance of the difficult times. Always remember, good times await you after the difficult times pass. Why is it that good times aren't permitted to last, especially when we have put in so much time and effort as these two had? It is as if enjoying the fruits of our labours is one of life's luxuries, that we are not permitted to indulge for too long. One day we have summer and the next winter storms. Every time that good times are mentioned in our idea of today, there is a negative time associated with it. I think, yes, to an extent that's true. Uh, We can have a hardship and it brings out fruits of the good time and makes us enjoy it more. But I think there's some qualities about good times that we need to look at specifically. Before we do, though, I think there's a couple of problems with good times that we need to acknowledge. And that is that there inevitably is always going to be a hard time. And in the Bible, we're warned of this all the time. Let me read to you from a couple of passages The first one's from 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And it says this, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. And the second one that I wanted to read you is from James. It's James 1, verse 2 and 4. And it says... Can 
Consider it pure joy, my brother and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I just wanted to bring it up first that life will have its hardships. We know that. And we know that in a good time, a hardship will come soon. And because of that, I actually want to uh, direct you toward Kerry's sermon last week where she talked about how to deal with difficulties and how to encourage yourself, how to encourage others in times of difficulties. If you don't know how to access the recording online, uh, feel free to approach myself or Kerry or Annette. We all know how to find the sermon online and we'd love to help you out there. The other crisis that I find is that in good times, we easily forget God. Would you agree? It's easy to forget God in a good time. And this is throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament. If you look at the Old Testament and the tribe of Israel, God's chosen people, they, uh, they have often been provided in abundance. And when they, after a period of time, have been in abundance for a long period of time, they would then start to take some of the habits of the indigenous people of that area at the time. And what would happen is God would get angry jealous, he'd be frustrated because they made the same mistake again and again, and in turn, he'd send in a prophet or he'd send in a judge, someone like, if you remember your Old Testament story, Samson, someone like Deborah, Gideon, and he would send in a message saying that you've done wrong, they would repent, and then God would deliver them, and the cycle would happen and happen and happen, eventually to the point where Israel actually uh, gets overthrown by the Babylonians. And that in itself is a different story. But it's so easy to forget God in the times that are good. So if you take one thing away from this morning, this is your sticky statement. Life is good because God is good. Life is good because God is good. Let's look at the passage. We were reading today when Jesus walks on water and Peter attempts to walk on water. If I had asked you just to recite the story, who could remember it from Sunday school? Annette can. Yeah, great. If I asked you though, what's the chapter before Jesus walking on water? Who could tell me that? Kerry could. The passage before Jesus walking on water is actually Jesus feeding the 5,000. Yeah, it is. Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I would argue that that would probably be the highest that the disciples would ever have been in terms of a good time. Imagine it, you have five loaves of bread and two fish and 5,000 men, that doesn't include women and children, and there were many of women and children, have been fed. I would be on a lot of adrenaline if I'd just seen that. 
But I want to take this story and let's uh, first of all make it an adult story, no longer this child story that we remember from Sunday school. So the context is Jesus has fed the 5,000. They're all on this massive high. They're all really psyched. And uh, Jesus says to them, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go to the other side. Now let me just pause here. First verse in, the other side actually means that it's a, it's a connotation that they're going to go and stop talking to the Jews of the time and they're actually going to the other side, literally in a boat, but also to start preaching to the Gentiles. So firstly, he's going from the Jews to the Gentiles. In verse 23, Jesus goes away and spends time with God. He's just delivered 5,000, he's just fed 5,000 people. He's delivered this incredible miracle and the first act he does is go and spend some individual time with God. So after he dismissed them, dismissed them, them he went up a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted because of the waves and the wind against it. Now, considerable distance. When I think of that, I actually think of like seeing the shore in the distance and maybe it's a little bit of shallow water. There's actually a written measurement for this. A considerable distance is actually 6.4 kilometres out in the sea. So that would be as if, for us here... We went to the intersection of Sylvania Road and the boulevard and us here. That's how far out the boat was. So I doubt Jesus would have seen the boat on the distance to start with. So it's a, it's a big distance. Buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, shouting, it's a ghost. Now, we're going to learn some more Greek today. The word that they said for ghost is actually ego imir. And what that, uh, sorry, the ghost is, sorry, the next, you're getting into second Greek lesson after this. The first word was phantasma. So ghost is phantasma. And what that means is actually a spirit. We don't think literally ghost. It's not someone dressed in a white sheet. It's not someone that goes, ooh. They think spirit. And what they actually could have thought was it was an evil spirit trying to deceive them. Evil spirit trying to deceive them. And then Jesus replies to them, I am. It's me, Jesus. Now, this is actually a reference back to when Jesus and God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. We talk about Jesus not declaring his kingship, not knowing where he's stating that he's God. This is one of those times. He's actually saying, it's me, it's God, it's Jesus. And that word was ego amir that I mentioned before. And the final part of the story, well, we know that Jesus start, comes to them on the water, walks on the water. Peter falls in. He starts off well, but then he falls in. 
By walking on water in a furious storm, Jesus demonstrates that he's the Lord of all creation. He's the Lord of all creation. He's not bound to physical realms. Showing there is no need to be afraid, no need to doubt. And the only response, which we read in the last verse, is to worship him. And by in worshipping him, the disciples actually say, truly, he is the son of God. Now, this is a fun fact, but in Matthew, that's the only time the full reference of Jesus is the son of God. Nowhere else in the book of Matthew will we find Jesus addressed as the son of God. That's just a fun little fact. So do we feel like we got a more adult understanding of the story now? Just a few ins and outs? That's great. So let's come back to the topic then. Encouragement in times that are good. Life is good because God is good. When we are in good times, we need to remember they come from God. And we can't neglect God in these times. I don't think I can stress this enough this morning. When we're in a good time, it's because of God's provision. Because of God, we first came into the good time. Let me read from you, read to you from James again. James is a great book. I encourage you to read it. I love it. Uh, but James 1 verse 17. And it says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing is from above. God provides all the goodnesses to us. And I would go further onto that and say, God sustains us in the times of good. So while he provides for us in the good times, he also sustains us in the good times. Now what I'd like to do is actually uh, take a time for an activity. I want you to think of a good time in your life, maybe it's now, maybe it's five years ago, ten years ago, I could even say twenty years ago for myself. (laughs) Think of a good time in your life. Can you see God as the provider of that time? Can you see how he sustained you in that time? All good things come from God. We must not neglect to forget that. Now, I want to butt in here quickly. And I want to say that good times do not necessarily mean materialism, happiness, or even indulgence. Good times isn't materialistic. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy it does not necessarily mean that you're well indulged. There is an abundance of people, and we just have to look around the Shire to see that people who have materialism, happiness or indulgence are not in a good time. They're not happy, truly. They don't live in a good time. Let me tell you of myself, one of the best times I think I 
was in a good time was when I was in Canberra. I just got to share this at the Bible study we did on a Tuesday recently, but actually I was homeless at that time. I was living out of my car for about six months. I had maybe 10 bucks to my name. I would be wondering where I get my dinner for the night. But few times can I say it equates to the same greatness that I experienced in that time. My definition then of a good time is it's one which consists of a spirit that is drawing close to God. Let me say that to you again. My definition of a good time is one that consists of a spirit that's drawing close to God. And seeking him, I should add to that. A spirit that's drawn close to God and pursuing him is greater than any adrenaline rush or high that you can attain from a world attitude. So let's do that activity again then, and I want to say, think of a good time. Think of a good time again. Can you see God giving you that good time? And sustaining you in that time? The second thing I want to say about good times is that while we're there, while we're in that good time, there will be waves that try to bring you down. There will be waves that batter you, there will be storms that rage around you, and there will be a struggle with it. Our encouragement needs to be set on Jesus. If it is, then we'll be able to do incredible things. Let's look back at the story. Come, he said. So remember, they've just seen the 5,000 be fed. And Peter's psyched and the disciples are probably spurring Peter on in the boat there. They're going, yeah, Peter, you can do it, you know. And Peter's like, okay, I just need affirmation from Jesus. Jesus, if, if it's you out there, call me out. I want to I wanna go out there. If it's you, let me know I can do it. And I walk on water. And he does. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water. His vision was on Jesus and he did it. An incredible thing. He walked on water. That'd be pretty awesome. Imagine going down on the surf at Cronulla and being just walking on the waves while everyone else is surfing. He walked on water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He was on the highest of highs. He'd just seen the 5,000. And he began to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus. If we make our focus on the waves, on the storm, on the surrounding winds, we will be brought out with it. We'll be brought down with it. However, it's okay because we will be brought down. We won't be able to keep our eyes on Jesus all the time. That's just 
sin and its nature, our humanity now. But when we sink in the storm, Jesus reacts. And Peter cried out to him, Lord, save me. Immediately, I want to stress that there, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And when we are about to fall into a hard time, I want to remind you that Jesus is there. All we have to do is call out to him and he will reach out his hand. And that's a lot harder. That's a lot easier for me to say now because I'm personally on a bit of a good time. But when you're in that moment and you start to go down with the waves, it's quite hard to call out. I go spearfishing now, and as it is, when I go down below and I start holding my breath, it's hard enough to try and swim to the top, let alone try and call out to someone that is already above. But when we call out, Jesus will immediately reach out his hand and he will catch us. Now let's close our eyes. Let's all close our eyes this time. When you think of a time of life that uh, you felt like you started to fall down in the waves. Can you see Jesus in the waves? Did you call out to him in that time? want you to think of that time and realize he's actually there with you in the pain in the suffering in whatever hardship it was he was there promise you whether or not you realize it he was there for you so keep your eyes shut i'm just going to pray as we uh wrap this up but lord god thank you for good times Although there's not much scholarship about it, we thank you for your presence in it. And that is our encouragement. We thank you that you are always there for us. We thank you that when our eyes are on you, we can do incredible things. We pray that when times get hard and we feel like the good time is about to fall or we start to come down from the good time that you just make your presence known so that we may call out for your help we pray all this in your name amen